continuing our studies in the book of Genesis on the life of Abraham. We're in Genesis chapter number 18 and chapter 19 today. <coughs> More about the life of Abraham. The big delight of my brother and I growing up was we could go work for our Uncle Ed on the farm during the summer. My brother Arnold was five years older than I was, so five years before I was old enough, he spent his summers working on Uncle Ed's farm. When he went off to college, I spent my first summer working for Uncle Ed. Uncle Ed had all kinds of people working for him. Old Roly, who couldn't read or write. Big Carl, who disappeared in the night when he didn't feel like working anymore. Uh, Harold Elam, who was so strong he lifted a cow up onto a truck. And a whole lot more of those farmhands who came and went on the farm. Uncle Ad put up with their idiosyncrasies and tried to get along with all of his workers. So when I came along, I wanted to fit into that group. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but Uncle Ed always was pushing me, motivating me. He'd make little comments like, Hey, a little faster if you can stand it. That was one of his comments. Or if I was carrying a bag of lime, he'd save 80 pounds. He'd say, A real man would put one on each shoulder. Which I did. almost killed me. <laughs> I always wanted him to tell me I did a good job. And I wanted to know what he thought about me. And it seemed like he never got around to saying that. But I remember one summer evening, we were all sitting on the porch. And Uncle Ed felt like talking. And he said, you know, when Arnold worked here, Arnold was smart. If there was work to do after supper... Arnold would say, I'll unload that hay, but you'll have to pay me overtime. Time and a half for working after supper. Arnold, he said, was smart. But Eric, he's a big dummy. He works all day and all night for nothing. <laughs> Arnold was smart. He said, Eric's a big dummy. And it was then I knew that Uncle Ed told me what was in his heart. He might have said Arnold was smart and I was a dummy, but I knew down deep in his heart he loved it when I worked all night. And he knew I loved to do the extra work. It was his way telling me how he felt. And when he called me a big dummy, it was his way of saying I was a working fool. And I knew what he loved best was a working fool. In our text today, someone's going to open their heart and reveal what's hidden down deep inside. Now last week we saw this amazing event when God and two angels dropped in on Abraham and Sarah for dinner. Abraham and Sarah prepared a good supper, tender meat and fresh bread and milk. And God told Abraham that Sarah would have a baby boy by this time next year. At 99, Abraham would become a father. At 90, Sarah would finally become a mother. 
was good news. Dinner was over, and Abraham and his three visitors would go for a little walk. We'll take it up there. In Genesis chapter 18, I'm looking at verse number 16. And the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. So now all four of them, two angels and God himself and Abraham, are standing on this high point looking towards the east at the Jordan River Valley and down in the valley, the city of Sodom. God makes a very interesting remark. Then verse 17, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? God said, I came to Abraham first with good news about a new baby, uh, but I got another reason I'm dropping in on Abraham, and I'm not going to hide this secret from Abraham. So a second reason for God dropping in is that God has a secret plan. He wants to reveal it to Abraham. Now why does he want to tell his secrets to Abraham? Verse 18. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. They shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Abraham will guide his children, God said, and teach them the ways of God. So he's a man that I trust. And God's going to open up his heart and tell Abraham the secret that's inside. So here it is. Here comes the secret. Verse 20. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come unto me. And if not, I will know. God has come on this visit to check on the city of Sodom and to see if it's as bad as its reputation. That brings two questions immediately to my mind. First, why does God have to come down and check on the city of Sodom? Doesn't he already know what's going on there? Oh, yes, he does. Of course he does. He already knows. So why come and check it out? And why tell Abraham this secret? Well, we do know already, God already said, because Abraham's family is going to be huge. As many as the dust of the earth, as many as the stars in the heaven. And God is about to reveal something to Abraham, and we're going to get a good look at God's heart. And first of all, if God is coming down to look at Sodom and Gomorrah, he is certainly being fair. He will judge Sodom and Gomorrah by his own eyes. He will look at the evidence. Verse 22. The men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. The two angels go, and they leave and go towards Sodom. But God lingers behind to talk with Abraham. And so begins this wonderful conversation between God and Abraham. So here goes one of the more interesting conversations that we have between God and Abraham. Verse 23. 
Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? What kind of God are you? Says Abraham. I'd like to know. Will you destroy the wicked people of Sodom and Gomorrah and also destroy the good people? And then Abraham stops and says, Well, if there are any good people. Is that God's way? Does God destroy righteous people who live in a wicked society? Now, my friends, you better pay attention. Abraham's question to God is awfully close to home. Just what kind of society do we live in? Could you say we live in a wicked society? A society that does evil things. A society that is anti-God. And are we safe living in this society? Does God destroy the righteous with the wicked? Well, I think we need to pay close attention to this passage. It might be exactly what we need. So Abraham... Gives God a number. Verse 24. Peradventure there be 50 righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? Suppose God that in Sodom there's 50 righteous people. Would you destroy those 50 people right along with the evil people? Verse 25. Abraham continues, Be that far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. Be that far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Abraham knows he's talking to the judge of all the earth. He knows his identity, the person he's talking to. He knows, and we do too, that Jesus is the judge of all the earth. Listen to what it says in Revelation. I saw heaven open and a white horse, and he that sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes are as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew, but he himself and he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So Jesus, before he was born in Bethlehem, came down to be judge of the earth. And Abraham says, surely you don't destroy righteous people when you judge the wicked. So suppose there's 50 righteous people in Sodom. And God replies in verse 26, The Lord said, If in Sodom is fifty righteous within the city, I will spare all the place for their sakes. Well, fifty righteous people? Agreed. I agree. I'll save the place and spare the city. Verse 27. Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I've taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Will thou destroy all the city for lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty-five, I will not destroy it. 
So we're down to 45, from 50 to 45. Agreed, says God. 45 righteous people, I spare the city. Verse 29. And he spake to him yet again and said, Peradventure shall be 40 found there. And he said, I will not do it for 40's sake. And he said unto him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, but I will speak. Peradventure shall 30 be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Agreed, he said. 40, I spare. Let's make another agreement. 30, I spare. Now I get the feeling when I read this that Abraham himself thinks that the number of righteous people in Sodom is a small number. And he keeps bargaining down 50 to 45, 45 to 40, 40 to 30. Will he go on? Listen to him, verse 31. He said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak to the Lord. Peradventure there shall be twenty found there. He said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. I will speak yet once this more. Peradventure ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And as the Lord went his way, as soon as he left communing with Abraham, and Abraham Return to his... 20 righteous? Okay. How about 10? Yeah, if I find 10 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the city. Now, my friends, we know that if society has a tiny minority of righteous people, God will spare many evil people because of the righteous people in that society. Now let's see how many righteous people there are in Sodom. Chapter 19, verse 1. There came two angels to Sodom at even. So the two angels who dropped in on Abraham have now moved on ahead and they come to the city of Sodom, obviously, as they said, to check it out. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, to your servant's house. Tarry all night, wash your feet, you shall rise up early and go your way. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed on them greatly. And they turned into him, entered into his house, and he made them a feast, did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. Before they laid down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house around, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came unto thee this night? Bring them out to us that we might know them. And Lot went out the door unto them, shut the door after him, and said, I pray you, brother, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters, which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out to you. and Do as is good in your eyes. Only these men do nothing, for therefore they came under the shadow of thy roof. And they said, stand back. They said again, this one fellow came into sojourn. He will needs be a judge now. Will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon Lot. Even Lot came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand, pulled Lot into the house, and shut the door 
And they smote the men that were in the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said to Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law, sons and daughters, whatsoever thou hast in this city? Bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place. Because the cry of them is waxed great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Here's a perverted Sodom that will rape and murder anybody that stands in their way. They're in the process of beating down Lot's door so they could have their way with everyone inside. And when Lot says, please, please, don't do these evil things, they say, who are you to judge us? Who are you to judge us? How dare you call us evil? We'll do what we want to do, and you will not call us evil. Now there's a point, my friends, when God draws a line. You go past this line, you've gone too far. And the point is violence. When a society turns to violence, God steps in to judge that society. Violence is a trigger that sets that judge in motion. Satan himself was known as rebellious. He was called a murderer and a liar from the beginning. But the Bible says most of all that inside his heart he was full of violence. Now go back a few chapters in Genesis. Back to Noah. Ten generations before. And God, it says, looked, said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. God sent the flood and destroyed the ancient world because he said the earth was full of violence. Now in the streets of Sodom, young and old, it says, from all over the city have gathered in to do violence. Now my friends, we watch our society. Streets of New York and Chicago are filled with violence. Los Angeles and Portland, filled with violence. Lawlessness prevails in all our major cities. The Bible tells us that God sets something up to counteract evil in society. We read about it in the book of Romans in chapter 13. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers. For there is no power but of God, powers that are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. They that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. It was God's plan that people should set up governments that would restrict and punish the evil in society. Evil needs to be restrained, and God ordained that we should have governments to punish the evils and strike out at violence. Now our own government, instead of restraining evil and stopping violence, wants to defund police departments. And they want to set criminals free with no bail. 
Instead of restricting evil and curbing violence, they want to encourage it. Looting, they said, is okay as long as you don't take over $1,000. That's what they said. There are warning signs all around us of a deteriorating society. What are we going to do about it? Abraham discussed it with God 4,000 years ago. Will you destroy Sodom if there are 10 righteous people in that place? And God said, no, I'll spare it if there's only 10 righteous people. But come to find out there's only four righteous people in Sodom. Lot and his wife and two daughters. So the angels go to warn Lot. The city is so violent that even going into the city could cost you your life. Without the two angels who took Lot and his family by the hand and led them out, Lot and his family would have died that night. Only escaping because the angels caused the violent people in the street to be blinded. And they lead out those four people and saved the righteous. I hope you realize what Abraham's conversation with God actually proved. Righteous people, people who believe in God, people like you and me are preserving the society around us. God will not punish society as long as we're here doing our job, offering to people a better way, pointing to Jesus and saying to the world, look, we have a better way. Believe in Jesus, find in Him truth. It is a new way and life. Why? Because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we, when we do our job, preserve society and offer them more time to repent and more time to change and more time to do right. It was Jesus, when He was on earth, who said, You are the salt of the earth. You are a preservative like salt, he said. You are able to preserve society and offer it new hope. But you say, we're such a small minority. If there had been ten people, just ten righteous people in Sodom, God would have waited and given them more time. And you say to me, Eric, we feel helpless. We can't stop the decline of society. Where will it all end? My friend, it is not in the government's hands. It's in God's hands. And He knows exactly who we are. This frame has been hanging on the wall for years. It says, a little church of no renown... Stands on a country road. Faithfully God's people come. To hear the truth that's told. Year by year the word goes out. Without great pomp or show. But with concern. That those who hear in faith. Might stronger grow. This little church of no renown. Stands faithful to God's name. Though small on earth. Twill one day stand. In God's own hall of fame. That's who we are. A little church. 
on the country road. As long as we and others like us keep telling the story, keep preaching the message, keep living for Jesus, we can still give hope to a world that's desperate and needs what we have. The day God dropped in in Abraham, they discussed it, and God revealed to Abraham what was in his heart. And you and I know because of that conversation that we can preserve society and hold back judgment as long as we keep saying to this world, Jesus is all you need. Well, let's see how it ended. Genesis 19, verse 24. The Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. That is God on earth that was Jesus called to his Father in heaven and said, let it go. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities that which grew upon the ground. But his wife, that's Lot's wife, looked back from behind him. She became a pillar of salt. Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain. Behold, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. Come to find out, Lot's wife was corrupted by Sodom society. There's only three righteous people in Sodom. Violence and evil brought destruction to all those cities in that Jordan River Valley. And you say to me, well, God doesn't do things like that anymore. Oh, really? The Bible says when the Antichrist comes to power, he will embrace lawlessness. And violence is going to fill the earth once more. Then you can rest assured, just like Abraham said, the judge of all the earth is going to do right. And in the meantime, we watch and pray and we work to offer this world hope that is found in Jesus, who said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. Next week is our last message on Abraham, and then we'll begin giving thanks. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, and thank you for the truth in God's word or what's revealed to us and the promise that God would tell the secret to Abraham and he would pass it on to his children. As we stand here, we are his children, children of faith. And we hear the voice of God saying, I will not destroy it if there be ten righteous Help us to do our part in this world. We don't realize what a role we have. Help us to do it well and to spread the message, tell the good news, that we might help others out there who are desperate and looking for help. Bless us as we do what you've asked us to do, and we pray that in this little part of the world, thy kingdom shall come. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn to hymn number 520. Standing as we sing, I love to tell the story of Jesus and his love. Page number 520. Standing as we sing, I love to tell the story. Page 520.
and we love what we're doing. It wouldn't be anywhere else. Thank you. All right, we're gonna let them go get their pie first. Okay. So I'm assuming he's happy. Yes. We'll let him pray and then get his pie. So you guys hold off a minute, okay? We'll ask Levi to go to pray. Okay. Dear Lord, we are grateful for the many gifts that we have in this place, and we are grateful that we can come and tell the story of Christ, and that's what we are here to do. We are thankful for that love and that kindness that we can show to all others, and we are thankful that you have given us that goal and that mission to go out into the world as evil as it might be. Give us the strength to do that. Help us to continue till the day that you come. We just ask for these things and ask for your blessings and protection. As we go out from this place, bring us back and charge us up again. Give us the strength we need. And we are grateful for all of those who have done great work in this place. In your name.